Thanks for listening to Worship Local. This is our podcast where we invite you into the long-winded, ever-deepening, sometimes winding conversation of Frontier Church where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy joy of of Des Moines. Come on, man. Today's podcast. Today's podcast is the Frontier. We got the green light to move to the Des Moines Heritage Center for Sunday morning worship. And so our first morning will be Sunday, November 28th in the new space. So in today's podcast, we're going to take you on a tour of all the places Frontier Church has worshipped. The Pump Station, the Rock Club, the Jazz Club, and the Future at the Train Depot. It's going to be a fun ride. Enjoy the Frontier. We hope this podcast helps you worship local. So, dude, yeah. how you uh, how you feeling about the news? Man, it's <laughs> almost hard to believe. Still, it's like, uh, bro. Yeah, but is this really happening? Because, like you, like you've said to me in in private, I just never thought this day was gonna come. I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, but no, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm super jazzed. I think. This is exactly the move that we need to take. Like, it's it's literally everything mm-hmm. that we like magnified, you know. So it's the light, it's the space, yes. it's the location. And I think it's going to raise our quality of, like, excellence on Sunday. So I'm super pumped. Dude, dude. I So for those of you who are, you're catching up and you didn't, You didn't watch the announcement via text message the other day. We'll just drop it straight on you right now. So um, we got the green light to worship in a new space for our church. This is going to be huge for us. So Mm -hmm. our first Sunday um, at the new space is going to be the first week of Advent. So it'll be like a really sweet, clean break where week one of Advent is week one at uh, the Des Moines Heritage Center. So this is a, a huge win for a couple different reasons. First, it's a huge win because we can finally get back down to one service. This is huge for us. Praise his holy name. Number two, probably the biggest barrier I think we experience as a church, and we love Noche, but probably the biggest barrier is not having very much kid space. Hmm. This new space has way more kid space, and it's way better suited for that purpose. That's also awesome. Number three, we're also going to save a couple bucks. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I like literally am having a hard time believing this. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I, I originally emailed them about this on uh, May 10th, 2021. So it's been that long of a conversation in the making. I mean, how long is that? May, June, July, August, September, seven months, seven months. Yeah. And uh, in the first wow. email where I reached out to them about this being a possibility, they said, Cole, thanks for the inquiry. I don't believe we could accommodate your needs on Sunday mornings. Thanks for thinking of us. <laughs> Dude, that's, oh, man. That's why you're leading this church, because I would have been like, well, we tried, Lord, and uh, maybe we need to find something else. <laughs> what made you go back to them and say, like, no, we're going to keep doing this? Everybody tells me no, bro. Everybody tells me no about everything. That, I mean, that's we've been, we, 
we've been a church for five years and um, God has blessed us. But, you know, when we started out as a local church five years ago, we didn't have anybody and we didn't have any money. I mean, that's a little bit of a stretch, Mm -hmm. but not really, you know. And so we've never really had resources at our disposal and Mm -hmm. we've never really had, quote, a big break or anything like that. And so everybody has always told me no about everything. And what I've learned is that there's always a way forward. Mm-hmm. There's always a way forward, man. Wow. Keep knocking, get back up, get back on the horse, keep knocking, keep moving forward. There's always a way forward, man. I think that's just like the, I just think that's like the, the punk rock attitude yeah. that church planting had, the scrappiness that I yeah. think church planting has given me. Scrappy. A little scrappy. A little scrappy, a little scrappy, but I'm, I'm psyched, man. Um, I'm psyched to go on the front tour, mm-hmm. um, but let's let's keep the conversation really quickly at the Des Moines yeah. Heritage Center. Yeah, you said I like the I like the way you phrased it. You said it's everything that we love about our current gathering space on yeah. steroids. Yeah, it's it's magnified. I mean, you magnified, walk. Yeah, right. yeah. You you walk in and it's just bright. It's open, big ceilings. Um, <laughs> I think that like, yeah. The singability in there, right, is going to mm-hmm. just be, it's magnified. So, so the way that they've designed this thing is, they have acoustic paneling all over the walls and in the ceiling. So if you're okay, standing, I was at, hoping you'd be able to explain this because yeah. I can't. Okay, okay. So essentially, what it does is it. Uh, how can I say this? It just makes it sound better. Put it like that. Mm-hmm. It it allows the voices to carry. So you so you can be in one corner of the room, yeah. and basically talk normally, and you'll be able to hear somebody on the other side. Oh, dude, and so when you think awesome. about a group of people singing in there, it's gonna just like sound like I think it'll sound close to what heaven could be like. Oh my gosh, um, man! That's not. Tr- I don't actually believe that. So, um, well, but you know, I mean, it'll be. Well, yeah, I you know, mean, it's basically like when Elam is trying to talk to me, my my daughter is trying to talk to me, and I'm like, okay, I see what you're trying to do, but you're, not, but it's cute, you know, it's good. I think right, it, it's right. pleasing, you know. Um, I think heaven will look down and be like, okay, I see what y'all are doing. It's a step you're trying in the to, right direction. You're trying to you're trying to do what we do. Because remember, the church is the new temple, and the temple is the oh, place where heaven dude. and earth overlap. Yeah, the Des Moines Heritage Center is going to be a thin place. I think. Thin place. Yeah, that's dude. right. Can you explain that concept? Yeah, there. Um, it's like a Celtic. I don't know much about it. I'm very interested in it though. But it basically, it's like a, it comes from this Celtic idea that um, there are certain places where heaven and earth overlap. Thin and so, places. Yeah, well, that's just a biblical idea. Yeah. So, but but they're called thin places in, in a sense of like the not necessarily the atmosphere is thin, but it's like a place where like you feel the heavenly realm. Um, yeah. And so, um, like dinner tables, um, I think are like thin places. Sunday oh. morning gatherings are thin places. Yeah. Um, and I think that like, yeah, it's just like a unique. I guess in Celtic, um, I don't. So I'm butchering this, but yeah, I, I'm putting you on the spot. It's okay. It's alright. Thin right. places. I it, just like it. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's certain places um, that they would say that you know, oh man, like. I experience God, especially when I'm here. And I think that like the Des Moines Heritage Center could be that for Des Moines. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And like, it really is just a biblical idea, though, that heaven and earth overlap mm-hmm. in certain places. Like in the biblical imagination, 
heaven and earth are not two different locations. They're two different realms. Yeah. That happen to sometimes overlap in one location, mm-hmm. which is why Jesus's famous prayer talks about things on in earth being oh. as they are in yeah. heaven. You know, it's like it's actually central to yeah. Jesus's mission. Yeah. So, so um, I'm excited. I think that um, Joseph's going to kill kill it. Oh. Um, leading worship there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited to see how his leadership is just like. Now we can do this and we can do that. And, you know, I'm excited to hear him spitball. On that. So, so the acoustic paneling. Yeah. The first time I visited there, the dude who owns the place pointed mm-hmm. at the wall and said, do you see that? It's like, what? <laughs> I mean, the, like the wall. He's like, no, look closer. And I was like, oh, all those little holes. <laughs> I mean, like, they're, I don't know. Like there must I like, no stretch of the imagination. There must be like a million of these little holes mm-hmm. in the acoustic paneling. That's about an eighth of the inch. Like, like each one is about like an eighth of an inch or something like yeah. that. And so he goes, you see that? And I was like, oh, the holes? And he said, oh, those aren't holes. I was like, what? What's going on? And he's like, come here, check this out. And he walked me over to the wall and he, and he showed me and he told me like, so this is, this is for acoustics. Mm-hmm. We, we hired a designer to come in and to carve these out so that they would be exactly in the shape of an octagon because a circle wouldn't be good enough and a square wouldn't be good enough. And so they, they hired a designer to like mm-hmm. make this acoustic paneling perfect. Jeez. So there's like millions of these little octagon shapes in the yeah. wall that's all designed to maximize what we want to do on mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Yeah, elevate the voices. So yeah, um, yeah. elevate so Jesus. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Enthrone him in the praises of our hearts. Oh gosh. Yeah, I'm excited. It's Me too, good. man. Me too. So to celebrate this, let's go on a quick front tour. Let's do it. We're gonna take people from. We're going to take people all the way back to day one of Frontier Church, and we're going to take them all the way to the future, location by location. So five years ago, we start gathering at the pump station. Mm-hmm. This is spot number one. This is, this is ground zero for Frontier Church. What do you remember about the pump station, bro? What do I remember about the What do you remember? Sights, sounds? I remember. What do you think God taught us? Yeah. I remember rec- the first thing I remember is man, we have a lot of kids for a church plant. <laughs> that was there the were, first thing. <laughs> there were like eight adults yeah. and like twenty kids. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> um, but some of my my first memories are um, DJ Todd and Ben Bonwell making pour over coffee mm-hmm. for everyone. Mm-hmm. Bring your own mug. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. Um, liturgy. Um, yeah. Repeating liturgy together, and um, Andrew and Tracy like literally breaking the bread and doing communion. Yeah, like like they literally broke the bread for everyone. Incredible. Yeah. Man. So, yeah. um, I think that oh, dude, this story. I have a great Etheridge story. Oh, dude, tell it. So Etheridge's strings used to break. Okay, so all one, the se- time. one second. Tell so, it. Tell us. <laughs> for those for those of you who are new to Frontier Church, Etheridge was our first worship leader at Frontier. He led Frontier Church in worship for about a year before mm-hmm. him and his family moved. We love him. Yeah, yeah, we miss them. Um, miss him a lot. But Etheridge's strings used to break all the time, dude. And all I used to. The time. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? <laughs> why is this? What are you, like, 
what is going on? In the and then of there songs. was there was one Sunday when it broke in the middle of a song. He kept playing, and he stopped after the song. He said, "I'm getting chills thinking about this because this is like." This was like DNA setting for our church. Whoa, whoa, really? Yeah. He said... Okay, I don't know where you're going with this, okay. so I'm getting chills Yeah, yeah. as you're building the anticipation yeah, for dude. this. So Etheridge is... He's leading worship. He's leading worship, and the string breaks. Okay. And he looks and down, and he's just like... <sighs> keeps going, and we sing. And nobody like misses a beat. We keep singing. And this is defining. Like, this, this is definitive This is... This I think this is part of why we are who we are. What? I don't even yes. know what you're going to okay, say. Okay, let's let me go there. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and so that happens <laughs> and <laughs> uh that happens and he stops and he says, "You know, I could be tempted to be frustrated right now, but honestly, we're all just broken guitar strings in the hands of God." So we're, and I was like, oh my gosh. And so it was like this thing where like, you know, I mean, we're a young church plant. We're trying yeah. to be perfect. Yeah. And we like just, his string just keeps breaking. And he's like, whatever, we're just going to keep playing because it's not about how I perform. It's about my heart before God. Mm. And I think that that really has set the tone for how we view worship. Like, obviously we want wow. excellence. Yeah. But we want our hearts, you know before God so yeah I've never yeah I don't need I don't remember that story so obviously I don't go around telling our worship leaders you know we're all just broken strings before God Mm -hmm. but what I do tell our worship leaders every Sunday and you hear me say this and you give some variation of this is that is that worship leading is about enjoying Jesus Mm -hmm. publicly in front of our church yeah Everything else is secondary. Yeah. If you're going to lead worship at Frontier Church, the most important thing mm-hmm. is that you enjoy Jesus in front of people. And so it is about posture of the heart. And I can see how that yeah. was so definitive. Yeah. For you. So uh, that was, that was, that was, I think, one of my highlights was just being like, yeah. You know, because it, as a music dude myself, like, I'm like, okay, we can, like, why does this keep happening? Like, I'm getting frustrated because I'm like, I want to be excellent in what we do. Like we're a new church plant. We got to attract people. And he said that, and it just kind of like, it humbles you. You're just like, you mm-hmm. know what? Yeah. I'm tripping right now. So, yeah. That was a fun season, man. It was. It was a fun season. I mean, there was like 20 of us, right? And so it's like 20 of us in this old abandoned pump station that mm-hmm. was renovated into a, into a photography studio. It was tiny. Yeah. I mean, there's no kid space. It was tiny. <laughs> it was beautiful. I mean, it was brick mm-hmm. walls, open windows, light coming in. It was a beautiful space, mm-hmm. but um, it was really clear that we weren't going to be doing like a regular Sunday service there. Yeah, yeah. So we were just singing songs, taking communion, and doing liturgy together. Mm-hmm. And I think the bi- when I look back at that season, I think the biggest thing that God taught me mm. was the value of a liturgical church. I think that God made Frontier Church into a liturgical church. Yeah, yeah. That's where we started singing doxology. Every week, yeah. So, most four months, five months. How many? How long did we do that? Yeah, probably uh, probably six months. Oh, no. I don't know, maybe four months. I don't remember. Yeah, me neither. But yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun, man. Mm-hmm. But all of us felt this burden to to think about leading our church in liturgy, hmm. and none of us had been a part of a church that had actually done liturgy, <laughs> and so we're like, well, maybe we should like test it out or kind of <laughs> pilot this idea to. To mm-hmm. see if it's actually like 
substantive and actually forms us. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like it did, man. I feel like it did. Yeah. Gosh, that feels like so long ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, Zion was eight months when we started doing that. He's six now. Wow. It's nuts, bro. It's such a different way to start a church, though. Mm-hmm. So, like, it really is, like, it really was such a countercultural way to start the church. Like, almost, yeah. almost everybody mm-hmm. tells you, including my own organ, like, the. <laughs> Never mind. All right. <laughs> That's a good uh, Holy Spirit edit right there. Right, right. <laughs> Everybody tells you that if you want to have a successful church plant, you put a lot of money into a big Sunday morning and try to attract as many tithers as possible. Hmm. And we didn't do that. Yeah. We started out by doing small groups. And even in the pump station, it wasn't about doing like a big fancy gathering. I didn't even preach. There wasn't any Mm-mm. preaching. Like that was only about spiritual formation and making sure that we started off on the right foot. And so like, if you think about the way that most churches start, which is like you take, I don't know, 25 grand and you put that into doorknob hangers and social media invites and all that stuff is great. Um, But I think churches just overspend way too much on that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you try to nail that first Sunday morning and make it as flashy as possible to keep as many people as possible. If you contrast that with being in a old renovated pump station praying confessional liturgy and mm-hmm. creeds like the Apostles' Creed, that's just way different, man. Yeah. yeah, I think it also, like, builds a love for people as well, right? Because you weren't preaching. Mm-hmm. You were leading us in liturgy. And, like, we kept coming back because it was like, well, these are our people, you know? That's so, right, yeah. Um, yeah. That's good, man. Which was a really healthy way for me to start my leadership at Frontier. So, mm-hmm. like, my people's first touch point with me was not behind the pulpit. You know, it was like in a little pump station yeah. with me. And so, like, I never had this. I don't know. I feel like maybe sometimes pastors have a, a glow about a Moses type glow from them because they're up on Mount Sinai, right? Yeah. And, um, they don't seem like a peer or a brother, um, and I just like I just feel like I, it was such a great way for me to begin to get my bearings as a lead pastor, mm-hmm. as a co-equal, and as a brother and as a servant. Yeah, yeah, dude. Amen to all of that. And so after a couple months there, we went to our second gathering. So let's talk about Woolies, the Rock Club, man. That was uh, <laughs> five years ago in August. Big change. Talk to me about what it was like when we went from your perspective when we launched at Woolies. Um, dark <laughs> and not spiritually dark. It was physically just a dark place to worship. Sometimes um, emotionally dark too. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I don't. I'm trying to think because I was just a member. I mean, I'm still just a member, but I wasn't like. Me and Caitlin were leading the community group, but I wasn't in charge of any Sunday morning logistics. And so um, you might be better to tell, like, what was your experience? But from a member, like, attender standpoint, um, at first I thought it was dope. I was like, like, this is where concerts happen. This is where a lot of culture happens. Um, it is a dope space. It though. is. It, it really is. is. But 
what I learned and what we're going to talk about here, yeah. I think, is that um, leadership is being able to leadership is the capacity to understand that a good thing is not always a good fit. Yeah. Right. So like a great venue mm-hmm. actually wasn't our venue, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think and I, you know, the reason I bring up the how dark it was is because I felt like we were so accustomed to seeing one another and like looking at each other in the eyes and like to, you know, because of the natural light from the pump station that when we came into Woolies, it was like, it went from looking at each other to just like looking at the stage. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the stage is huge, you know, and like we're like down below. And so, um, yeah, it, it was just very different. Um, but God, God blessed it. Like, can't believe it. Can't believe it. Blessed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember like the runway oh, Sunday. Gosh, the yeah. like runway was in the middle of the. House. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, being in a little kids' room up there, and you know, having to throw away blunts and everything, and yeah, to get ready um, for church. Yeah, man, it was. It was good, man. Um, so if you haven't been to Woolies, it's a rock club. Yeah. So it's it's not designed for church, right? And so like it's a rock club. You mm-hmm. walk in there, um, everything is designed around the stage. It's dark. There's no windows. There's hardwood floors with nails sticking out. You know, like. It it was wild in there, man. It was wild in there. <laughs> it was something. Oh man, um, yeah. I'm trying to see what 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 do you feel like is one of your good memories? I have one. I have uh, one in my you life. Shoot. You shoot. Okay. Um, it was a hard season, man. Yeah, yeah. I just remember like, I think Gosh, that's where my like tr- like my respect for you just like went up. Mm. Um, <clears throat> because it was just like the first year and you had like three other preacher, two other pre me and Andrew were like already preaching. And I was like, what hmm. lead pastor does that? Like what church does that? You know? Um, cause if it were me just being real, like if this was my first church, um, my first like big, like ministry job, I'm in a new city and like, I feel the pressure of everything. Like, I would want to like preach every weekend, every week. And it just was like, you were so easy to share leadership, not just preaching, but even just like Mm. everything. So, um, that was one of those things where I was like, dang, I respect this dude so much for this. Um, I just felt myself being like more Christ-like. So yeah. Thanks for pointing that out, man. It is hard to share the pulpit. Like, like I'll be honest with like with with my with my background like it is Sundays I don't preach are more difficult than Sundays that I do preach mm-hmm. for me and a lot of that is like natural skill set like yeah. I know I've told this story on the podcast and I've told this story you know thousands of times well not thousands but half a dozen times to the church but like ever since I was really little I was constantly in environments where I saw my dad teach yeah and uh, I just remember seeing the faces of middle school students light up mm. as my dad taught with enthusiasm. And ever since I was little, I've had, I've never had any doubt about my calling in life. I remember thinking, intuiting it in my gut, thinking, "Oh, you can use words to have that effect on people. 
this is what a dykey does. This is wow. what I'm called to give my life to. And yeah. so like, I love preaching hmm. and I love teaching. And so sharing the pulpit is not to get a break. I don't share the pulpit to get a Sunday off. Like they're not Sundays <laughs> oh, off. We, for me. we know. You know, we know. Like, yeah. <laughs> you run a thousand I, miles a minute. Uh, I share the pulpit because yeah. I believe God wants a plurality of preachers. Yeah. That's not because it's easier. Yeah. So, it's probably harder. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, Worth it. But yeah, so I guess wrapping up this this stop on the tour, I think that like Willie's, we learned that we like to see each other. And we yes, would have known did. that if we never went there, I think. So um, that how, what, what would you say? Yeah, I agree with you. Okay. I agree with you. Cool. We learned that we like to see each other, which... You know, I think sometimes people are like, yeah, it's just a silly philosophy of ministry decision. Some churches, to mm. make people feel more comfortable, turn the lights down really, really low. Mm-hmm. Some churches don't. It's just a philosophy of ministry decision. Mm. And um, they might be right. Mm-hmm. They might be right. But it might be more than a philosophy of ministry decision. Like when you read the New Testament, Paul is very clear that the point of the people gathering together is that the gathered people would gather together. You mm. know? So, like, for Paul, it's all about participation. Like, bring psalms and sing to one another. And so I think it only follows naturally that you should should be able to see the people around you. Yeah. And that um, seeing the faces of the saints should not be a hindrance to your worship, but Mm. part of your worship. So. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. But we wouldn't have known that if we didn't know what it was like to sing in a black hole. (laughs) crazy <laughs> yeah it's crazy we're gonna go worship in a rock club and it's like oh well this is a rock club <laughs> uh dude the, the punk kid in me loved it too i felt like that's who i was mm-hmm. so i was surprised to find out that that's not who our church was yeah so we did a year there mm-hmm. and then we transitioned into our third worship space in our current worship space which is the jazz club yeah which has been really good to us. We've been there for three and a half, four years now at Noche. Mm-hmm. And uh, what were some of your first impressions of that? Um, it reminded me of a bigger pump station. Yeah. Just like the brick, yeah. the open windows. Um, yeah. And then just like the explosion of when people sung, it was just like so loud. I was like, this is so Bro. great. Oh, this is so good. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, a lot of big things happened there. We installed elders for the first time there. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Baptism, first baptisms were there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, God did, has done a lot at Noche. Um, it's been, been really good. It's been really good to us. Yeah. Even as we've been, um, even as, as I've been communicating with the people who own Noche. It's been really rewarding to email them back and forth because it's very much like, oh, we understand we're you guys have outgrown the space, but we love you guys and it's going to be so hard to miss mm. you. And I've been able to That's reciprocate great. that and be like, you guys have been awesome to us. And mm-hmm. obviously it's a big deal to us that we make a positive impact on the city. So it's been a great relationship with the jazz club. Mm-hmm. That's great, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's great. Oh, at, so at at each stage, it seems like God has taught us something. Mm-hmm. You know, at at the pump station, God taught us that we're a liturgical church. Yeah. At um 
at the rock club at Woolies, God taught us that we like to see each other. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like's a big thing He taught us at at the jazz club? That's good. Um, I think that Noche taught us. I feel like I just had this on the tip of my tongue. I feel like Noche taught us. Man, this is so much, man. I I mean, <clears throat> our philosophy of ministry deepened there, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of things. I think that God taught us that we, in fact, love to see and hear each other. A people first yeah. church. Yeah. I mean, I guess that sums up everything I was going to say. Yeah. Um, that we're people first church. I think it taught us, um, yeah, that we prioritize people over things and events. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, man. How about you? Yeah, people first. Yeah. Um, specifically, I feel like if I had to boil it down, um, we've always been a church that prays, hmm. but what the new thing I feel like that really happened in the jazz club is we became a church that prays with one another. Yes. So six months ago was, I think maybe the first time ever where I had to step away from the microphone during communion. This is a big deal to me. Okay. Mm. So this is a really big deal. So I'm going to camp here for just a minute. Okay. I, I went up to unpack communion and I had to step away from the microphone. And I'm so happy that I had to step away from the microphone because every Sunday when I get up there to do communion, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I like to say is that this is not quiet time. Um, you look at the New Testament, and it just doesn't seem to me that communion was ever a quiet time. It seems like a rambunctious community, yeah. celebratory, eating and drinking together, thanking mm-hmm. God for one another, reconciling with one yeah. another. Yeah, patting each other on the back. Patting each other on the back, yeah. right? But like in Western churches, it's usually a solemn time where I reflect on my life. And I think there's value to that, so I shouldn't mock it. Um, But I had been saying that for about two, three years. This doesn't need to be quiet time. Mm -hmm. And for two or three straight years, it was quiet time. Hmm. I can't remember exactly what happened like six months ago, Hmm. but I remember saying, hey, this doesn't need to be quiet time, yada, yada, yada. People came up and got the bread and got the wine. And I remember stepping up to the microphone and looking out, and there were two or three married couples who were still praying with one another. And there were a couple members who had gotten up out of their seats during communion time mm-hmm. and were still praying for other people. Hmm. And it made me so happy yeah. that I had to step away from the microphone That's dope. and give it a couple more minutes before I said, all right, now look at the bread and look at the wine. Yeah. Um, so I just think that's, I would actually challenge our church by saying, make, make us do that all the time. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that um, this last month, I've had to, I've gone up there and I've had to like kind of step away because people are still doing work with the Lord or with each other. So that's been dope. And it's such a kind of a small nuanced thing. Okay, cool. So you had to step away from the microphone. No, no, no. This is a big deal to me. Yeah. It's a big deal to me that God is so, how many, how many churches have this problem where when they get up to lead the people in communion, Mm -hmm. God is already doing some awesome work in them. So they've got to slow down. I just think that's so cool, man. Yeah. Dang, that's good. I hope we live into that identity even more, man. Dude, I am so freaking excited. Like, yeah. I just, I, I really do think that, like, 
the I, I, I praise God for his past faithfulness, right? Pump station, Woolies. Yep. yep. Noche. Uh I really do. I think that he did did a lot personally within me to make me more like Jesus and and larger largely. Larger? Largely? Largerly. Largerly? No. (laughs) (laughs) Collectively. That's what I mean. Oh, yeah. In in our church. And um, I, but I do think that I think God's going to do something, man. I mean, we can see the Capitol from right from the side of the depot. Mm -hmm. Like, we see the heart of our city from where we're going to worship. It's going to be awesome, dude. I think it's, I think it's big, man. So, so um, let's, let's rewind once more and then let's talk about what we think God is going to do. Yeah. So at the pump station, Mm -hmm. God made us into a liturgical church. Yeah. At the rock club, God taught us that we're a church who loves to see one another. Mm -hmm. And at the jazz club, God taught us to be a church that doesn't just pray, but prays for one another. Yeah. People first. Yeah. People first. Yeah. Now on November 28th, in six Sundays. That's, that's <laughs> in six that's Sundays. That's Thanksgiving, too. Uh, oh, uh, week, yes. week one of Advent. Right November 28th on Sunday, yeah. we are going to relaunch in the Des Moines Heritage Center. I'm yeah. so psyched. What do yeah. you think God wants to teach us in this next season? We're the city's most joyful church. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, oh really? Oh, my gosh, yes. I really think that it's going to happen. I, I think that we're going to become the city's most joyful church, Amazing, and that's not that's man. not very tangible. But I think that when people say frontiers, come like, oh yeah, that's the city's most joyful church. I really believe that, bro, bro. I can't believe you said that, man. That's exactly what I was hey. going to say. <sighs> that's crazy. I didn't know you were going to say that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it, man. I think it's so important, man. Because I think that I think churches default to one of two goals, right? Um, either they want to be the city's biggest church, or they want to be the city's smartest church. Hmm. Like I'm oversimplifying a little bit, but people who want to be the city's biggest church, often what they'll end up doing is in their in their um, in their adventure to become big and to see the church grow, which is good. Mm-hmm. Like. You should want to see more people meet Jesus, and you should want to mm-hmm. see more people get baptized, and you should want to see your church grow. I think that's great. Yeah. But if that's your goal, like your primary goal, mm-hmm. I think you can make some mistakes along the way. I think sometimes you can end up setting truth to the side mm. to please people. Yeah. I think sometimes for the sake of growth, you can lower the bar of truth. So I'm weary of making that our church's goal. Yeah. Now, on the other side of things, I think a lot of churches wrongly make being the city's smartest church, their goal. Mm-hmm. So maybe they don't have the firepower to experience like catalytic growth. Yeah. And so they want to become the nerdy church. So they're all about theological um, astuteness, which mm-hmm. is great. I mean, theology is wonderful and it's necessary. Mm-hmm. They're all about doctrinal clarity, yeah. but sometimes they end up patting themselves on the back over their theological clarity so much and congratulating themselves over how smart they are that they don't actually reach lost people. Yeah, and they be they end up becoming super homogenous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think what happens if you pursue, rather than the city's biggest church or the city's smartest church, if you pursue being the church's or the city's most joyful church, yeah, I think that pushes you to study theology even more, to know God even more rightly, because He is your fullness of joy and your pleasures forevermore, mm. and. 
because joy is your priority, you want to share that with people. And yeah. so you're evangelistic as well. And so I think you get both of those things if you aim at joy. Come on. So like if you yeah. if you aim only at growth, sometimes you forget truth. Yeah. And if you aim only at truth, sometimes you forget growth. But if you aim at fullness of joy in Jesus, I think you get truth and growth, which is why our goal is to be the city, the city's most joyful church. You know? That's good. I just think it's so important, man. That's good. Yeah. That's good, man. We should unpack what we mean when we say the city's most joyful church. Yeah. Give yeah. some like handlebars to that. How about we do that for next week's podcast? That'd be good. Would you be down? Yeah, yeah. It'll yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good to research and actually put to paper yeah. what I think about that. Yeah, deal. Dumb. So Sunday, November twenty eighth. That's nuts, bro. Six Sundays away. Are we doing candles? What? We're gonna do candles. Oh, for, for Advent. Advent. Yeah. Yeah. You like them? I do. Okay, good. I wasn't sure <laughs> you were gonna make fun of me. You got. I mean, a, I am making fun. You got of a crap-eating grin on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I am making fun of him, but I also like candles. Uh, Red event was good. Hey, l- we're about ready to press pause. We got to go on a double date tonight. Yeah. You have any worries about this transition? Hmm. Mm, put me on the spot. Do I have any worries about the transition? Yeah. My only worry is that we will not have as many volunteers as we need. Mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Um, sound, slides, set up and tear down, especially because we have a shorter window. Um, <clears throat> but. Can I tell you mine? Yeah. I like yours. Mm-hmm. Volunteer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Volunteers are in you. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you, you have to. You, you have to. Be yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Volunteers. Okay, here's mine. Since COVID, we've had to split into two gatherings, two services. I've hated that, but I love our church, so it's the play that we've run. Mm-hmm. But here's also what I've noticed. When there are fewer people there because there's two gatherings, it increases people's sense of responsibility. Hmm. So there's been this spiritual intensity that's come from being smaller gatherings. Mm -hmm. And that spiritual intensity is really important to me because we want to be the city's most joyful church. And I really do believe that this church has increased in its spiritual intensity in these last six months, unlike the first five years, man. Mm -hmm. So I have loved that spiritual intensity. My worry is that as we move to a new space and there's more people there because it's one service, my worry is that people will get more comfortable, they'll lose their sense of responsibility, and the spiritual intensity will go down. Hmm. That's good. And if that happens, I'll freaking cut us down to two services and go back to the jazz club. I'd do it, man. Yeah, that's good. I'd do it. So I don't want us to lose our spiritual intensity. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all this research that's been done that says environmental cues matter. And sometimes when people are in comfortable environments where all of their needs are met and they're spoiled and they have access to a ton of resources, 
they no longer feel hungry for excellence. That's good. Our church has always been scrappy, and it's always been hungry. And I think that's why we're close to being the city's most joyful church. And I don't want us to start gathering together as 130, 150, 170 people getting spoiled and losing our spiritual intensity. Hmm. So I just pray that that doesn't happen, man. Yeah. I just don't want that to happen. That's a good prayer. Yeah. We all should put that on our list. Be good. But exciting times ahead of us, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Let's go. You want to pray us out? Yeah. I can't say no. I can't say no to prayer, right? (laughs) It's like, what am I going to say, bro? (laughs) Jesus, uh, thank you. Um... For giving us gifts we don't deserve, uh, we pray that you would use the Des Moines Heritage Center to make us the city's most joyful church. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, mm-hmm. we know that it is your spirit working through the, your people gathered. Um, but Lord, I just pray that you would pour out a special anointing on that place. Um, we thank you for it, Lord. This is a gift we don't deserve, but we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.